Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast, an extension of our adult Sunday school ministry and stories of grace. Pastor Brandon here, along with Pastor Steve. Hey there. And we are committed to utilizing this platform to continue our church's rich tradition of deep theological teaching through our adult Sunday school ministry. Though this unique season of following Jesus has not been without its share of challenges, we hope that you will tune in weekly to dive deeper into the scriptures as we hear from the vast array of teachers that we are blessed to call family here at Grace Church. Welcome again to the Grace Church Podcast. We are so glad that you have chosen to join us again this week. I'm excited for this week. Uh, we have Mark Getz with, along with Pastor Brandon and I. Uh, Mark joined us earlier on uh, the podcast. This is our first repeat uh, podcast guest, and so uh, I'm thankful to be able to sit in this time. Um, but just as a reminder for our podcast, we we have been enjoying these kind of 15, 20-minute segments on the Sundays, and then we follow that by a Q&R on Mondays, and, and we hope that you continue to join us, uh, not only that you continue to join us just by listening, but that you are really engaging with these, and we uh, hope and pray that this is a benefit to your spiritual life. So uh, today we have Mark, so Mark, just take it from here. Thanks, Steve. It's good to be here with you guys, and I would just like to share a little bit of what um, we've been going through at our home, and uh, so um, as we've been uh, looking at going through the life of Christ, um, we've been following his journey, and um, as we uh, get prepared to look into uh, the passage uh, that we want to think about from the life of Jesus today, um, I'd like to just have you kind of think about a time when you were really, really thirsty. And just like, I am really wanting something to drink, that feeling of being really thirsty. I know that um, as I thought about this, there's one time that really hits me. I remember when I was younger, I used to play tennis a lot, and uh, one summer um, uh, I was playing tennis with my, uh, I think it was my high school um, yeah, teammate that I was playing with then, um, and it was one of those hot summer days, you know, it was in the hundreds and blazing sun, and we, you know, didn't care back then. We just went out in the middle of the afternoon and played tennis, and we played hard. We went after it. And, you know, these days, you know, kids have to have a water bottle just to walk into, uh, to sit in a dugout, you know? <laughs> they are. I mean, we have the most hydrated generation in the world, but uh, we didn't have anything like that. So we played hard, and we were sweating, and, and we got done, and we were just so thirsty, and we were on our bikes then, and I remember going down to the old A&W, remember that? Oh, when yeah. That was, uh, yeah. And I rolled up there, and I did something that my dad would never let me do, is I ordered a whole quart of root beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sold it. They, yeah. They, that's right. And, you know, right there at the, right, you're just sitting down there, and I remember when I got that and started drinking that, I'm like, wow, I have never been this thirsty in my life, and nothing ever tasted as good as that quart of root beer. But um, so I uh, just wanted you to think about those times because we're going to uh, think about that. That's what Jesus is going to appeal to in our story is this idea of really not physical thirst, but the idea of, of when um, you just need something in life. So 
Let me just share uh, this passage with you. It's from John 7 and verse 37. And um, let me just read this as we uh, consider our devotional time here. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. That is one of the great invitations of Scripture. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. So I want to think about that passage a little bit and maybe think a little bit more of its context. But as we do that, I also want to uh, think about a holiday that just happened. Do you happen to know what holiday just finished this past Friday? I'm not aware. Yeah, this is the is gotcha it question. Rosh Hashanah? Okay. It's after that. Okay. This is the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. Okay. So the day that he was talking about, it's, this passage starts on the last day, the climax of the festival hmm. was the same day as this just this past Friday. Nice. And so as I was, I was preparing this lesson I, and thinking about it, I was like, wow, we are in the exact same time period <laughs> now that Jesus was in at that cycle of the year back then. <laughs> and um, so I started looking and just kind of like wondering, well, we don't do much with the feasts of Israel. I mean, I've been to some classes on them, but we just don't think about them. They're not part of our... Our church calendar, they're not part of what we think about, but I thought, probably going to have to understand a little bit more about this. So I just started going online and looking at Jewish websites about you know, how they celebrate uh, the Feast of Tabernacles today, kind of what was just finishing up. I was curious as to what was going on in communities around the world here, and, um, and wondering what it was like to be at this festival at, when, when they were at that festival. Um, so... Um, so I did a little reading on that, and it was interesting because um, back, uh, it's changed now because there's no temple. This occurred at the temple. This scene that we've just occurred, uh, that we listened to, occurred at the temple. And um, there were seven feasts of Israel, and this was the last one. Um, there's the spring feast, uh, which are the ones we're more familiar with, I think, Passover and uh, uh, unleavened bread and, and first fruits. And then there's the the summer one that's 50 days later, the Feast of Pentecost, that's the, the and, then, um, and then there's these fall festivals, which is um, Feast Yom of Trumpets Kippur. and Yom Kippur, and then, then this one. So really, there's three times where the Jewish people, Jewish men were supposed to go to Jerusalem, the spring feast, the summer feast, and then this fall feast. So it was really almost three sets of, of feasts that they went to. And so, and so, um, what happened here is the beginning of the chapter, I won't read all the chapter to you, but just to kind of summarize it, it starts with uh, Jesus up in Galilee, and he really didn't want to go down south because people wanted to kill him down here. Now, this is all occurring at the end of his ministry. 
um, he has finishing up his last time in Galilee. In fact, right before this story, uh, there's been a couple key stories of when, one where Jesus, um, you know, asked his disciples, "Well, who do people say that I am?" And you know, some said he was John the Baptist risen from the dead. Some of the other prophets. Anyhow, this was what we had done before, where um, where Peter said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God," and that was really this recognition. And then shortly after that, the Transfiguration, where he'd taken Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and they had been with Moses and Elijah. And so after that, he had told the disciples, you know, I'm going to go down to Jerusalem now. Uh, there I'm going to be arrested and killed, and I'll rise again in three days. And he started telling him this game plan. So he's getting ready to go down south, but as we know uh, from our spoiler alerts, this is going to, he's going to really wait to go down um, during the spring feast, during the Passover, when he knows he's going to die. That's what he's preparing for. But then here's this quandary of he's avoiding going down to Judea because they want to kill him down there, but now is the fall feast when everybody goes down to Jerusalem. And as we were talking about this with our family, they were starting to kind of relate with this like our lost pumpkin festival, you know, our fall festival, <laughs> because really there's a lot of similarities. It's a fall harvest festival, sure. and there was a festival. But this, of all the Jewish feasts, this was the happy feast. This is what everybody wanted to go to. It was a riot. People just had so much fun. It's really the feast of joy. And so his brothers wanted to, were going to go down, and they wanted him to go, and he says, you know, I can't go down there. It's not my time to go, and so it's not time to go yet. So they left him. They basically, you know, didn't believe in him. They're like, if you want to be well-known, you're going to have to go down there. Um, if you can do all these miracles, then you'll have to be known. But he didn't want to go, but then later he went down secretly. And so the feast had already started. The Jewish people were looking for him because they did want to kill him. Uh, and the crowds were buzzing about him because he was the, you know, popular figure of the day. And they weren't sure what to make of him. Some said he was a good guy. Some guys said, some people said he's a fraud. But nobody wanted to talk to him about him publicly because, um, you know, the political climate there was you don't talk about him. And so, but he did finally go down there. And as in the middle of the feast, he shows up at the temple and starts teaching. And, um, and people are astounded, you know, by what he's saying. Like, how in the world does he know so much? He's not even been trained. And he addresses their concerns with that, and he just brings up the white elephant in the room. He says, you know, you guys, it doesn't matter what I say, um, it, you, you just want to kill me. You don't want to follow Moses' law, you want to kill me. And they're like, you're crazy, we don't want to kill you. Um, and of course, they, really, the political climate there was that they did, um, but he addressed all those concerns, and the people were were confused about, about really who he was. Some thought he was a good guy, some thought he was a bad guy, especially the leaders, but a lot of people were just confused because they were like, you know, is there gonna be anybody else that does more miracles than this guy? But we know where he's from, he's from Galilee, and there's no Messiah that comes from Galilee. We know the scriptures. The scriptures say the Messiah comes from Bethlehem. This guy comes from Galilee. And so they were troubled by him uh, and in a quandary. And um, finally, as he interacts and engages with them, they do send temple guards to try and arrest him, but they just can't arrest him. They just can't get the courage up to get it done. So there's a lot of interaction with the, with the, um, the leaders and, and these people. 
But what comes out of this passage is during this Feast of Tabernacles, um, he's having this interaction, and people are in a quandary about who he is. Now, one of the things I learned about this time is that there were certain ceremonies that would go on every day of this festival, and one of them was uh, something called a water drawing festival, so or ceremony. So the high priest would go down to the pool of Siloam outside and take a golden pitcher, get a bunch of water, and carry it in through the water gate and go up to the temple, and there there would be a ceremony where they would power, pour it out on the temple or on the uh, altar. And this would happen every day. And it was a big deal. People would gather and watch it done. But the biggest part of this is what happened on the final day, the climax of the festival this day. And in this day, everybody showed up for this ceremony. And everyone would come out and watch the priest go down, get the water out of the pool, carry it up. And it would take forever because there was so much. And it really, it does, it's almost like the Pumpkin Festival Parade. Everybody showed up for it. I don't know if they put their chairs out ahead of time for this. That is not recorded historically. We aren't sure. But, uh, you know, it. there are some, uh, you know, historical facts about this where there would be jugglers out there. They would be, I mean, it would be a party atmosphere, and it would take all day to get up there, and the party would go on through the, the night. But then when they would finally get up there to um, the temple, um, these shelters, the Feast of Booths, of Tabernacles, people would have them all situated all around up there, and everybody would be there, and they'd be there for this big final climax ceremony, which would basically be when this water would be poured out on the altar with wine. Normally it was just wine poured out as part of the offering, but now in this one, water got poured out. And part of it was thankfulness for the harvest that had come, but also it was a prayer for... Uh, God to provide water to satisfy them for the next year, for all the rest of their harvest. And they would say things like this uh, quote from Isaiah about that they're drawing water from the wells of salvation. And interestingly, this water, this, this water of salvation that they were bringing up, of course, in Hebrew, the word for salvation is Yeshua, which was the same as Jesus' name. So they were talking about this while they were... This was all what the crowd is chanting while the water's going up there. And apparently this is when Jesus took this time to stand up at this point where everybody focused on this water being poured out on the altar for God's provision and salvation. And this is when now he says, anyone, and it, actually he doesn't say it, he yells it out. Mm. This is where he gets out. All, all of Jerusalem, all these people are focused on this, and he stands up in the middle of this crowd and shouts to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Here they are praying for God to give them water throughout the year and thank him for him, and he's like, no, anyone who's thirsty, you come to me. Anyone believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. That picture makes more sense now of their reaction, because I think when we read this, like anybody's thirsty, we're kind of like, I don't know, 
Do I have personal needs that I need to have met that I can come to Jesus? Or, you know, do I feel unfulfilled? I'll go to Jesus. This was much deeper than this. This was their whole life, everything they needed in life for sustenance and goodness and joy. They were praying for God centered around their harvest and their grain and all that they had. Hmm. And you just like, you come to me. I'll, I'll fulfill everything for you. So their reaction wasn't like, wow, that's pretty cool. He'll maybe help me out with water or he'll help me out with my personal needs. Their reaction was when they heard him say this, they said, surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. And others said, he is the Messiah. This was a marketing plan that worked. They totally got what he was saying. Here at a time where he was not going to go down to the feast, his brothers wanted him to be, you know, if you want to be famous, if you want to be known, he kind of waits. But it wasn't, he wasn't waiting because he didn't want to be known. He was waiting because he didn't, he was targeting this time to announce at the Feast of Tabernacles that he was the Messiah to all the people that were gathered in Jerusalem right then at that time. To me, that just looks so much bigger than anything I've ever seen in this scripture before. Just by looking at what the Jews thought about this, um, about this festival. And the people had to make a choice then. Because still, I think there were people that liked him, thought he was maybe the Messiah, but they were confused about him. There were people that didn't like him. But if, and then there were people who just didn't know what to do and they were confused. And he didn't really address their confusion very much. And it's interesting how seldom he actually proclaimed to be the Messiah. And in some ways, when I read this, my first thought is, well, he wasn't very direct. But I think when you understand the context of what's going on, he was more direct than he ever could have been, than he would have been just by answering their questions when they said, well, are you the Messiah? I mean, there are times that we know that he did answer that, but usually when he would answer it, he would answer it in the context of all that they were expecting the Messiah to do and be. And so I think this is um, such a great passage for thinking about Jesus and what he offers and uh, who he was and how he made such a case for being the Messiah, the one that uh, the people were waiting for at this time. But honestly, they were still confused because right after that, their answers were, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Even after this, still that same. You got the polarizing groups. Some people are like, yes, he's there. But he never answered that. He never said, could have stood up and said, no, wait a second, I was born in Bethlehem. 
You want to see my birth certificate? Here, here it is. But he didn't. He just made the claim for being that. So um, I think that um, the Feast of Tabernacles has so deep. There's so much to get from it. But what it really does is help us understand um, when Jesus gives this invitation, he's offering all that the Feast of Tabernacles offers. He's offering hmm. to be the, the one who tabernacled with us. He's offering to be the one that goes with us. He's being the one to offer, uh, offer the manna, offer the water from the rock. He's offering everything that God did in that time that they were remembering during this Feast of Tabernacles, God's provision. And he's saying, I'm the one to do that. Thanks, Mark. We'll be back tomorrow to talk through some questions around that. So.